passage. Now, friends, I'm going to use some salty language this morning. No, not the traditional crude language of sailors, but in fact, some words and phrases that Jesus used in conversation with his disciples. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told them, you are the salt of the earth, special, essential. Is he suggesting that discipleship can be rough, sweaty work outdoors all day under the hot sun? Sometimes, yes, hard work. And many salty tears are shed too. Tears of frustration, loss, pain, or sadness. Sweat and tears are salty. And true Christian service, in whatever form, should never be bland or tasteless. Salt. Think about it. You know the Bible contains many references. The earliest is the fate of Lot's wife, who, while escaping the fiery destruction of Sodom, and despite strict orders not to look back, did so anyway. And you know what happened. She was turned into a pillar of salt. Now, when we were kids, we didn't have the concept of pillar, so we thought it was a pillow of salt. But same, same difference. Um, it's a memorable story. In the Gospel of Luke, you may or may not recall that Jesus encouraged the disciples um, that as the kingdom of God is at hand, to move forward with courage and not look back like Lot's wife. Throughout the Bible and all of human time in various contexts, salt is used as a metaphor to signify permanence, loyalty, durability, fidelity, usefulness, value, and even purification. A good person is worth his or her salt. And spilled salt requires tossing a bit over the left shoulder to cancel additional bad luck. Do you keep salt handy? It has many practical applications. Perhaps you know it best in the familiar shaker on your kitchen table, and you crave even more salt on French fries and popcorn. There are so many varieties. Kosher salt, sea salt, iodized salt. At our house, we even have a container of pink Himalayan salt. Pretty salty. It is salt that enhances food, salt that preserves things. Sodium chloride, it has been mined and manufactured across the world since 6,000 BC. Salt was once a major, highly valued commodity. In, 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 our, in, our, in the basic understanding and in our bodies, sodium is an electrolyte that regulates the amount of water. It also plays a part in nerve impulses and muscle contractions. Sodium chloride is used to treat or prevent sodium loss caused by, caused by dehydration, excessive sweating, or other causes. Many years ago, I enjoyed backpacking. And back in the day, we used to take salt tablets with water every day to, to replenish the salt. That's no longer recommended. Salt has its ups and downs. But our daily use of salt, even from a shaker on the table, 
does require careful balance. Too much salt can raise your blood pressure. I had some cardiac excitement several years ago. And friends, if you've ever had to leave salt completely out of your diet, uh, you realize there is simply no good substitute for what salt does to taste. Many of you do know what I'm talking about. Essentially, salt is essential to life. And on this morning, four salty words come to mind for Consecration Sunday. Generosity, which is kind sharing. Commitment, which is a true faithfulness. Gladness, which is contagious joy. And consecration, that is, dedication for a special purpose. I want to put put them together like this. Generous commitments and glad generosity. These salty activities spice up our life together. And they are attitudes that invite our best selves in the practices of worship and service as faithful disciples. Now, communities and families are about shared stories. Thanksgiving this week will be a special occasion when we gather to remember the experiences and the characters who have formed us. We share stories often at mealtime, just like we pass the salt from elders to children. This is our family. This is where we came from. Here is where we made mistakes. Here is where we were forgiven together, sharing around a table like Holy Communion, generous commitments and glad consecration. Our call to worship this morning was from Psalm 100, the familiar one about joyful noise. It's a great starter because it's full of declarative action. Make, worship, come, know, enter, give, Why? For the Lord is good. God's steadfast love and faithfulness endure to all generations. This is salty language. Generous commitments and glad consecration. We depend on God's grace. We do not, we cannot save ourselves. We can't buy or barter our salvation. As the church And as individuals, we confess to God our dependence as well as our duties. What must I do? How may I and my family contribute to the well-being of church members, neighbors, or even strangers in our community, much less the larger world? Can others count on me? Generous commitments and glad consecration. The gospel this morning is from Mark. And we remember that Jesus and his contemporaries were very familiar with salt and fire. Sacrificial offerings at the temple, whether grain or animal flesh, were literally salted before being placed on the altar and burned by fire. Salt was precious, and so it was appropriately a part of the ritual of thanksgiving. Now, earlier in the ninth chapter of Mark, the disciples are worried about rivals Jesus tells them instead to have a generous spirit. Whoever is not against us is for us. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will be rewarded. And immediately, he engages the disciples 
saying, Be mindful how you serve. What you say and do has a great influence on others. Don't be stumbling blocks, causing problems of division among other members of the community. If you're that way, better that a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. Jesus didn't mince words here. But helping to grow the wisdom and witness of new followers of Christ, the disciples are tested. They're required to make sacrifices for the sake of the faithfulness of the church. We dare not mislead or confuse new believers. Discipleship is serious work. Jesus observes, for everyone will be salted with fire. And one must stay salty. After all, what good is a tasteless disciple? Saltiness is ultimately about faithful sacrifice and the preservation of the Christian community. We do it through generous commitments and glad consecration. Jesus says to the disciples, have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Consecration Sunday is an important annual ritual of generous commitment and glad consecration together as children of God. Several salty members of the Macedonia church family as a team led so effectively by Zach Moore have been inviting you to new consecration Sunday over the past six weeks. And so that opportunity now is this morning. What should we do? How shall we do it? How might we be worth our salt? Acts tells us that Christians in the first century met together with glad and generous hearts in worship, service, and community. It is a privilege to have more than we need and to be able to contribute to helping others who need basic things like food, shelter, health, and work, and the quality of life, dignity, friendship, peace, met through the ministries of Macedonia Church across Cary. In this part of North Carolina and indeed far beyond, we are always more generous together. Now, real generosity is always a habit with a long history. A friend of mine in fundraising used to quip, don't give until it hurt. Until it hurts, give until it feels good. That's a different way to look at it. What if you sought to have a glad and generous heart? Who might become salty Christians as members of Macedonia? How would it change my life, our lives, others? What if we, like Jesus' disciples, were glad to be salted with fire and prayed thankfully and joyfully each morning, Lord, what do you want to do through me today? We know so many stories from Jesus' life, and we understand that the individual requirements for generosity very widely, with treasure, talents, and time. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than any other topic except the kingdom of God. His concern is our relationship to money, so many encounters and memorable parables. The poor widow who gives her last two coins at the temple, the rich young man seeking eternal life, who is invited by Jesus to go, divest yourself of your wealth, give it to the poor, and follow me. He can't do it, and yet Jesus says he loved him. Or Zacchaeus, the curious tax collector, who, after simply seeing and hearing Jesus, 
makes an extraordinary commitment to reimburse fourfold everyone he has cheated. And he even ends up hosting Jesus for dinner. Sometimes we do get caught up in acquisitions, struggling to be admired, going into debt for things, even spending wastefully. Does anyone here have anything that might need to be set aside? Too much wealth, too much pride. Who here has just too much stuff? All have been consequences of both chance and choice. 55 years ago, a friend of mine in Norfolk decided to invest some of his surplus income with a new company. That company built and rented storage units. You know where I'm going. Now that investment outperforms most of his stocks. Think about it. We have so much stuff, we're distracted and overwhelmed. If one rented storage pod won't hold it, we feel compelled, like the wealthy farmer in Jesus' parable, to build bigger barns. Only Jesus observed that that farmer was foolish because his life was ending. And you can't take it with you. Shrouds have no pockets. Why not consider giving more away to people and institutions that can put your surplus to good use? Money, too. Money. There, I've said it. We use money for transactions. Currency is easier, quicker, and cleaner than trading bags of salt, crates or chickens, or bundles of pelts and produce. We earn, we save, we buy, we invest, we sell. Of course, many of our transactions no longer require coins or currency or even checks. We use plastic credit or Apple Pay on the cell phone. Some folks even invest and do transactions um, with Bitcoin or cryptocurrency. Funny, when American coins were actually made of silver and gold, and they were, um, there were often teeth marks in the edges of those coins as people would test the genuine metal by biting. But those original Bitcoins are long gone. And if you've got cryptocurrency, you may be worrying a little bit about how that's doing these days. Lord, what do you want me to do? Transactions are essential in every time in society. Commerce is at the intersection of work, wealth, and well-being. A transaction is honorable, and it's even automatic. Most of the time, we don't even think twice about the transactions we make even with our gifts to the church. Some think about church offerings as paying dues. No, what God expects from us with our charitable giving is not a transaction, but a transformation. That is, adding a dash of salt. Transformation is a serious, thorough, and unmistakable change. What difference will my gift make to me? We are usually asking that question in regard to the institution or cause we're trying to help. But what if our income and our giving becomes transformational for us, salted with fire and with glad and generous hearts? Most of the people I know who are truly generous don't even give it a second thought. It's simply what they do. It has become a habit, a part of who they are. 
the level of their salary or their bank balance or portfolio performance is not a prerequisite. The word salary, as it happens, comes from the Latin word for salt. You see, our stewardship is part of our discipleship, our saltiness. Giving is related to how we deal with everything we have, our money, our possessions, our priorities, our relationships with glad and generous hearts. In fact, here's a gift idea. Even as our region of North Carolina is prosperous, aren't there also neighbors who struggle with their finances, who have never seen or learned disciplines of thrift, who need help with money, young families, or perhaps seniors? Macedonia has members who could lead basic stewardship classes in budgeting and debt management. It is a ministry you might consider. In our Methodist tradition, John Wesley famously advised, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. Remarkably, that practice, when followed, works out well for everyone. I learned the story a few years ago about an elderly African woman named Adya. She was a Christian who knew little other than poverty and hardship. Now, the name Adya is a Swahili name, and it means a gift from God. And she was a true church lady if there ever was one. Dressed in her Sunday best, a well-worn but colorful traditional head wrap and dress, she worshiped with friends in a rural Methodist church in Kenya. The building was a large open outdoor shelter with a raised platform fitted out with hand-hewn altar and cross and a pulpit at the front facing a very joyful and enthusiastic congregation seated on wooden benches, all surrounded by lush green vegetation and a few wandering chickens. Music was led by a small but enthusiastic choir. You can understand that theirs was not going to be a simple 60-minute service. At the time for the offering, a lovely handcrafted basket, probably three times the size of our traditional offering plates, was passed carefully down the aisles, receiving contributions of money along with notes of prayer concerns. A larger collection plate invites more gifts, right? Adya's life had always been hard, and on this particular Sunday, she had no coins. But when the basket was handed to her, she placed it on the ground and stepped in just for a moment and out again. She smiled broadly before picking it up and passing it along. Wonderful, memorable things happen as we worship God together, and especially when we give what we can with gladness. Can we seek to be transformational with our gifts? What if this morning and in the days ahead, each member of Macedonia United Methodist Church, expressing gratitude for God's generosity, decided to increase their financial commitment for 2023 by 50 additional hours of involvement and $1,000 or more in additional financial support, or even a percentage closer to or beyond a tithe. Maybe that commitment is really like salt, sacrificing, adding flavor, preserving. And perhaps our giving can tr transcend the transactional and become transformative.
God's giving is unlimited. Henry Nouwen observed that generosity begets generosity, especially when it is rooted in the rich soil of relatedness. We suddenly realize that God has provided all we need in abundance, and God salts us with fire. Do you like stone soup? The story has been told to children for hundreds of years. Long ago and far away, late one afternoon, a stranger arrived at a small rural village where all the people were hungry and irritable because no one shared. The stranger asks for food, but no one will give him anything. So he declares, well, then I will make stone soup for everyone. Now he's carrying an empty cooking pot. So he builds a fire. He fills, fills the pot with water from the community well and sets it on the flames. Soon the water begins to boil. Everyone is very curious. The stranger reaches into his cloak and pulls out a small, light-colored, round, smooth stone and plops it into the pot. Crowd gathers. There's great anticipation. And he says, by the way, if anyone has a couple of old onions, that would make the soup even better. So someone provides them. Well, how about a carrot and a cabbage? Sure. Then somebody else brings gnarly potatoes and some peppers. And after a while, somebody even throws in an old dried up ham hock. It's all brought and added and the bubbling soup uh, begins to smell better by the minute. Oh, and by the way, some salt is contributed as well. Before long, it is ready, stone soup. Everyone brings a bowl and a spoon and as they share the feast together, they discover how deliciously wonderful stone soup can be. Most have contributed, but everyone is fed and happy. The stranger cleans his pot, the stone goes back into his pocket, and soon he is on the way to another hungry village. You know, true community invites sharing, and it becomes transformative. You see, generosity is contagious. Generous commitments and glad consecration. Now, I've invited you to consider and act upon salty words. Generosity, commitment, gladness, and consecration. Paul writes to the church, the Christians gathered in Colossae, a celebrated city on the trade route in ancient Turkey. He says, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Will you consider seasoning your conversations and your commitments with that salt? Might your participation at Macedonia sustain your saltiness and feed others too? Can you associate salt with your sacrifices, gladly and thankfully offering the very best resources to honor our generous God. Amen.